This is your Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes jam-packed with news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Today's top story, we have a winner in the celebrity coronavirus poll contest pool. You know who it is? I do. (laughs) Can I just read the announcement that this fella made? Please do. All right, I'm going to try to, I don't remember what Andy Griffith's accent is, but I'm thinking of this as an Andy Griffith thing. Hello, folks. Rita and I are down here in Australia. We felt a bit tired, like we had colds and some body aches. Rita had some chills that came and went. Slight fevers, too. To play things right, as is needed in the world right now, we were tested for the coronavirus and were found to be positive. Well now, what to do next? The medical officials have protocols that must be followed. That's medical officials with a capital M and a capital O. We Hanks will be tested, observed, and isolated for as long as public health and safety requires. Not much more to it than a a one-day-at-a-time approach, no? We'll keep the world posted and updated. Take care of yourselves, Hanks. Yeah, and then Tom Hanks' son tweeted out a video with his shirt off for some reason talking about his parents how they're doing and he said that they're not really that sick at all which i think is probably going to be the case but for they're most still people. following orders but ann curry summed it up for us just in case we didn't know what the takeaway was here she says she tweeted okay now we all have someone we love diagnosed with coronavirus that is exactly what they talk about in some communications crisis research that I read, where they're talking about informing the public through having celebrities or people they can develop a connection to demonstrating the type of behavior the public should also take, kind of like Ted Cruz did. Now, he might actually have the yes, coronavirus. Yes, they're modeling the correct yes, response. Modeling that the was correct crystal response. clear what Tom Hanks was yeah. doing. And, of course, they pick Mr. Rogers, yes. the guy who saved Private Ryan, the uh, Forrest Gump, the guy of just the, the repository of just simple wisdom. The Jimmy Stewart of our era. <laughs> I've always detested him. Jimmy Stewart? Not Jimmy Stewart. Tom Hanks. Tom <laughs> Hanks. I'm sure Jimmy Stewart was was plenty doing the deep states bidding, but so I don't know where we want to go. I have like so much stuff that is like so much has broken over the past, I think it's 48 hours. I think we had yesterday we put up our last, our WSB shows from starting February 08, where February 8th, 2020, where we started addressing the coronavirus stuff. I mean, that was real news. And you know what? The mainstream media cannot handle the truth. So I do recommend people go and listen to that. That was yesterday's DNB. Yeah. A lot of what we're seeing today or yesterday is referred to the OMG moment by crisis communicators. It's the moment between business as usual, how things used to be before the crisis hit, and then the new normal. That's a watershed moment. It's a watershed moment. And this guy, his name is Peter Sandman. He's like the go-to guy in, in crisis communications. He's been communicating with a lot of health and public officials about how to roll out the messaging. And he talks about this. He says there's a step in between. This is in a recent email he sent to a health public official. There's a step in between business as usual and the new normal that cannot be skipped. They call this the adjustment reaction 
reaction. Everybody else calls it the oh my gosh moment. And the key takeaway is that this oh my gosh moment must happen in order for people to realize that this is a real crisis and not just a bad flu season. He talks about doing this even when the crisis might not necessarily come in order to prepare the public for a crisis that might come next season or that might come now. So So he's triggering people intentionally. Yes. Just to kind of get them ready. This is what he says about that. He says, we need to overcome our fear of fear and we need to be willing to frighten people. If we want to warn people, we've got to be willing to frighten them. When bad things happen, the bad things will frighten them. So once we have a pandemic, we will not have to frighten them. So we need to do it before so that they get prepared. I think that these people are telling themselves that they're doing it for our good. Yeah. And there's one thing that Spiro tweeted. It was the guy in the uniform from the CDC in the Event 201 simulation looking exactly like with the same demeanor, the same delivery, everything actually in front of Congress delivering a similar message. And his, his name is Stephen Red, and his whole persona is one of extreme trustworthiness and earnestness. And he didn't mention at all what they'd come up with in the past, like that they'd already gone through this scenario. He's oh, he didn't like reference that, it. He did not reference it. So he's just your masterful, most trustworthy liar type, really. He's deceptive in any case, which is the perfect political thing, the perfect political persona. He talks about the need for these public officials to dramatize and to carry out specific tones, like you're saying, and the need to rehearse it as well. Well, some real stuff has happened over the past couple of days that I'm sure folds into that. One is... I want to, oh, well, Trump talked today. And so if you just go back and listen to what he said, there's so, so much in there. But one thing he said, which I've been kind of speculating if I were to see how things rolled out, because today was another market bloodbath, like bloodbath. And the trading was halted again. And he came out and said, because I've been thinking they're going to have this bloodbath. They're going to hyper stimulate monetary and fiscally. He's talking about that. He's saying we want payroll tax cuts. We want plans to bail people out. Pelosi was saying the same thing. They'll probably both get plans in. Trump was saying how the oil price uh, cut is like a is like stimulus directly to the consumer. He said he was going to not forget people who make tips for a living in his uh, bailout package, which I think will mean the end of tipping, which I absolutely hate. But one thing he said, which I thought was a real tell, and I think it folds into what the plan is, which is it's going to go down. They put all the stimulus out in the market so that it comes back up right before the election, and then it's going to just crash back to where where it was going to crash to after. But this way they get to do all the stimulus just to get through the election without having to admit it. He said the market will bounce back very big and at the right time. He said that today. And I remember when Obama said something similar in when he was inaugurated or shortly after that in March, I believe, of 2009. So he is signaling all over the place. He also said that Elizabeth Warren, if she had he said this twice, personally said it out loud twice, that if she had withdrawn from the race just a few days previous, Bernie Sanders would be the nominee. So really? What he's, <laughs> yeah. So he's saying that she split the progressive ticket. 
she's an inside job. She was working for Biden, basically, is the implication I found. She hasn't come out and endorsed Bernie, even though her their policies are the same. Well, it's too late now anyway, isn't yeah. it? And uh, Pelosi and Trump both pointed out how they are absolutely uh, getting the states to cooperate. So we're we're just having this across the board, top to bottom. Everybody's in line to the smallest city, like Indian Wells, California, to the to the very uppermost echelon, probably the UN. They're all coordinating. They're yeah. all coordinating. They have all of the messaging in these pamphlets that this guy writes, and it's the same messaging. It's the same script. What messaging? The You're messaging that the- we're hearing. We're hearing consistent messages from CNN, from local yes. officials, yes. from Stephen Colbert. Absolutely, And it all yes. comes from this communications research that they do. And I found, so this communications research that they do, this guy, Peter Sandman, yeah. he's actually putting out the memos that these guys are reading from. He included in one of his posts emails that he is sending back and forth and communications he's having with one of his clients, which is a public health official. Some of the messaging, and I read through it, and it is basically the exact same as we are hearing now, is messaging pamphlets and workshops and guidance that he put out back in 2009 for the H1N1. Okay, because there were a couple of like clear parallels, like everybody's saying the same thing Trump said, which is this isn't really about the markets. This is about saving lives first and foremost. Yeah. And then you have like the medical guys saying over and over again the exact same thing, like we've just got the denominator wrong, you know, like who says that? And you know what I mean? Like, why would they put it just in that way? It's a funny thing because most like regular people you're trying to reach don't think like that, but yeah. they just make the and then you'll figure it out. And if they say it enough, you'll know what it means. It'll mean something to you. That is that is educating the public. That is part of the pre-crisis situation where they use terms like that related to pandemics so that the public prepares emotionally and functionally so that they can better handle it, at least that's the way, the way it's presented, when the actual pandemic comes. So that's an intentional strategy, using that weird language like that. Yeah, well, it seems like it, because I thought, I mean, not everybody just like that doesn't just yeah, trip off the Yeah, it's a weird, tongue. yeah. So I was thinking about, well, one thing about the stock market correction, but first, just uh, if these conventions are canceled, if the political conventions are canceled, you can really uh, not only button up the votes, but create a dialectic where, oh, there were going to be a bunch of rogue delegates who were going to go for Bernie and they got suppressed. Because remember, in 2012, there were a lot of Ron Paul delegates who they literally suppressed. Like they, I think, escorted them out of there. They did not want them there. So it could actually be a real way to suppress people, and I'm sure it is. And it also is a way to feed that dialectic, which makes it look like it's an illegitimate presidency because Biden was the illegitimate campaign. It was the illegitimate nominee. It should have been Sanders as usual. And Biden was tainted by the Ukraine stuff. I mean, it's just all this stuff. You're always going to have legitimacy questions around the president until they change the entire way we vote. And I think this is going to usher that in. There you go. We're going to see the voting online emerge. Like you, I think you posted about that on Twitter. Yeah, I think so. I think I said it on the show. Uh, Okay, so what I think is always true for a correction like this is this is where the big money guys wait. I heard Carlos Slim like in an interview about how he made so much money. First of all, he got awarded a telecom monopoly from the government that he maintained as a monopoly. You know, whatever he paid for, it was nothing compared to what it was worth. So obviously that's how he made his money. But he said his dad taught him always wait for a crash and then buy big. But of course, 
it helps if you know when the crash is coming so you can sell your stuff at the peak and put it in dry powder and then come out. So that's what they say like in 1929, like Winston Churchill was on the on the trading floor and someone showed him, I forget who it is, Bernard Baruch maybe, said, check out what happens next. And the whole market just fell to pieces and everybody who couldn't maintain their positions, because a lot of those positions are indebted, they're on the margin, they had to just sell and fire sell prices. And then anybody who was ready with money could go in and scoop that up. And that's supposedly how it works. So this, I feel like there's another layer here, which is these all the companies that were not really prepared for this, all the lesser companies in basically every industry or any kind of tiered industry is going to go bankrupt. Like many companies will actually go bankrupt. I mean, the revenue is just drying up to nothing in some industries. So then you take all the little guys, they're going absolutely in free fall. And then you have the big kind of well-capitalized global corporations, many of whom probably got a heads up. And then they can buy these little guys out at fire sell prices and you have oligopoly, you have concentration at the top, et cetera. And then I have a specific example. All right, let's hear it. Okay, this I've been wanting to talk about for a while and it's just becoming clearer and clearer. So have you noticed that every single cruise in the news has ended in princess except for one and even that is also owned by Carnival? I've heard a lot of princesses in the yes. news. So far, the coronavirus has been in, th these ships have been in stories with coronavirus. Diamond Princess, Grand Princess, Regal Princess, Caribbean Princess. Uh, I had them all written down. There's one called Pomona, Regal Grand Diamond, Regal Grand Diamond, Regal uh, Caribbean. There's another one that just came out today. Pomona is... Uh, is also a carnival. So here's the thing. Carnival's pumping this up. And I said a, a couple of days ago, I read a quote that said, every cruise ship in the news so far has been carnival. Diamond Princess, Grand Princess, Regal Princess, Pomona, and then two more have been added since then. My guess is they are strong enough to weather a cruise panic while not all their competitors are. Okay, so then, so I was like, okay, these guys are going to create the panic. They're going to take the hit and they're probably prepared for the hit. And then other, they're going to shake out the industry. And I just saw that Norwegian Cruise Lines is in legal trouble for downplaying the coronavirus. So they'll sue them into oblivion, like people who think they have a claim. And that'll help Carnival. But I looked into the history of Carnival. I was like, why would Carnival do this? I think their current president or CEO or whatever is a Monsanto guy. But their founder was probably British intelligence. He was kind of there for the founding of Israel and then became a citizen there, but he was very well connected. And in 1986 or 87, the head of E.F. Hutton, who I think was a British guy, gave him the heads up, hey, you should take your company public right now because the mar market seems to be hitting a high. So he took the company public. He raised a lot of money that he needed to grow his business. And the next month was the worst market route. We still haven't hit a bigger one-day decline than that happened in 1987. And all of his competitors had no way to finance, expand, whatever. So a lot of them went bankrupt. And here he was sitting on a lot of dry powder. And that is how his business got such a leg up. I believe he had insider information. The story is that it was just a good tip from, you know, from a guy. I don't know. 
And I just feel like they're doing the same thing now, that particular, that's why I say like people are like, why would they do it? This is why I think they would do it, might do it, just speculating, well, not accusing. They talk about doing that, the circumstances where you should withhold information and other people, other businesses, they do get preparatory information that the broader public does not get. They very much in this research are open about there's going to be instances where we are, are secret from the public. And there's going to be other instances where we are more upfront with them. It's just depending on the reaction and the timetable that they anticipate crisis event to occur. I do. I am making the point, though, that I think some of these insiders who are playing along are getting they're getting the information that they need to capitalize on this. So it's not so much what information we have or don't have, which is a separate thing and it's important, but that these guys, you know, people always ask me like, who are they? Why would anyone go along with this? Their prices are tanking. There's a couple of reasons why a company would go along with something that would tank its price, either because its owner has other interests or it wants to buy back its own stock or it's not really the owner. I mean, the owner might have other interests like in the broader market, but also some of these CEOs and stuff are, are really like political operatives. They're not entrepreneurs. They are not really aligned. And even if they lost their job or whatever, a lot of them have golden parachutes and whatever. So I feel like this event 201 really demonstrates who they are. In this case, it's the World Economic Forum, Bill and Melinda Gates, Johns Hopkins, and everybody who was there and isn't saying anything. J&J, Henry Schein, uh, NBC Universal, they were all there and not saying anything. I think there were probably many other companies, big globalist corporations who were in on it, who were allowing this thing to unfold. And I think the cruise thing is a very clear example of how you think it's the cruise industry. It's not. It's one company, and that company is going to benefit greatly in a way that it's benefited before. Interesting. I think it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, I have many interesting tweets. But, I think we should tell people uh, what happened yesterday, all the stuff that happened. Like the NBA shut down its season. Yes, I was season. leaving that the for MLS you. MLS suspended their season. <laughs> College basketball shut down. They might cancel the NCAA tournament. They already canceled the conference tournaments. There's been a run on hand soap and antibacterial and toilet paper. <laughs> and No travel to Europe? Yeah, completely banned travel to Europe, except for the UK. I know. It's a little, little strange. And a little obvious. Yeah, and we mentioned Tom Hanks and his wife already. And that's the alerting, the arresting moment that I think is that all of these things happening on that day that it was declared a pandemic, that's the OMG moment where suddenly it feels more mm -hmm. real to people who it didn't mm -hmm. feel real to before because their way of life is suddenly thrown, you know, it's changed. I kind of felt like this was coming. I tweeted over the past couple of days, like just because it's not, uh, just because it's a PSYOP doesn't mean there aren't real implications. I mean, PSYOPs definitely hurt people, like physically, financially, everything. And I said, like, pick the three things that you need if you have to hunker down for yeah. a while. Yeah. So I also threw that out to my kids. Did I tell you what they came up with? Remind the three me. things, like I was at the stores, like I, the three, you know, just I texted everybody, like, tell me the three things you can't live without while I'm at the store. Right. My husband's like rice, beans and chicken. I'm like, OK, I'm getting toilet paper. So my kids, one of them said Oreos, pretzel crisps and monster. monster. Then my one who has Down syndrome. ugh, his picks were absolutely candy corn and orange crush. Ugh. So in the bunker, <laughs> this kid is stockpiling. Ugh. Well, he's not going to have anybody stealing of, it. 
<laughs> Nobody's stealing it. <laughs> Yikes. Gross, gross, gross. So anyway, that I do, I did think that it was the time to kind of just make sure because, and I'm even like trying not to put too much gross stuff in my garbage in case they stop picking up garbage for a while. Yeah, it, the effects are going to be real. And I mean, I'm worried about, you know, they do like blackouts on purpose and stuff. I'm worried about them saying we don't have the personnel to run this. So we're doing rolling blackouts, you know, I'm like freaked right, about Right that. now. I'm open Water, to anything. I did filters. not expect anything that happened yesterday to happen. I didn't expect them to right. cancel the NBA season. Well, I and, well, was a little suspicious about the NBA when those weird Hong Kong tweets and they got all political. And I was like, these guys clearly are. Mm, they're sacrificing into a bigger world. Yeah, they're sacrificing a lot of revenue in all these industries to. The, baseball is doing that. Baseball could not be a more non communicative sport. I mean, they don't have to shut baseball down just because they can't be people in the audience. You could, am I wrong to think, I mean, even when you tag somebody, you've got a glove on your hand most of the time. They still do the habits of high-fiving and just to go, and because they're talking about the transmissibility of it, now they're starting to say maybe it could be transmissible through air, although I don't know if that- It is six feet. Yeah, I don't know if that headline is as, I think that headline is, intentionally made to create more fear than the reality of it in line with this communication strategy. But I think that they're preparing us for something. I don't know what, I don't know if it's now or if it's going to be something down the road, but the psychology of the public has changed. It's officially changed and it will continue to over the coming weeks. I wonder if it's as easy to change society as, as they mean Italian society. I could definitely see in the crosshair. I've been, so a lot of countries in Europe and Italy is definitely, it's like the South here. It is South and it's like the South here. It's like a little warmer personally and physically, like temperature wise. But like it always had that kind of warmer, more relaxed, more personal, less economically uh, obsessed kind of feel. It was like the Catholic thing rather than the Protestant work ethic yeah. thing. And there and there just changing that culture making people scared of each other. I saw one headline, I'm not sure if it was real or not, that a an Italian positive with coronavirus who refused to self-quarantine was arrested for murder. I mean, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I saw the yeah. headline. I don't know if it's true or not, but I mean, the fact that those headlines seem possible is scary enough. I saw a headline where a lady, an Italian lady, was quarantined now for two days with her dead husband who had died of coronavirus. Yuck. Can I tell you how, not how, I'm not saying this is how it spread. The headline makes it sound like it, but the NBA player, the first one to test positive for the coronavirus, the day before, I believe it was the day before, he was doing a press conference. And this is when they were still considering canceling games, maybe moving locations. Before they actually canceled the season, he pulled a prank. He was joking around with the media. And there's a line of microphones whenever they have a press conference where all the players and coaches sit. And from the perspective of the journalists sitting in the audience holding the press conference, this player, it was Rudy Gobert, he got up and he went and touched every microphone. And he was the one who ends up testing, the first one testing positive for the coronavirus. I find it hard to believe that's a coincidence. I mean, this thing is a psyop, so... Yeah, I, I mean, see- maybe he did that, and they told him. Right, so that that's gave more- him a false positive. Yeah, I can see I'm that. Not saying happening, he's in definitely. on it. I can see them going. Okay, that's the guy we put the first one. Right. On. 
like you always say, like there's like watch what pictures or memes or whatever you put out there about yourself because you're you're raising your hand to be the right. patsy. Yeah. And he definitely did that did that with that move. Yeah. Absolutely. Definitely. I got some really great tweets and but you can keep No, oh, let's, let's hear them. You want to hear? So this one was really a couple of really good ones. One was from Ministry of Truth. It says phase two has started. Hey, that's right what you're saying. Disruption of our daily lives. Now the deep state controlled officials will do anything to disrupt our daily lives in an effort to support their false flag pandemic. Remember, they can't produce. And this is interesting. Now, I don't I didn't validate this or verify, but it's interesting. Remember, they can't produce any real evidence such as autopsies or pathology reports. Producing real documents or entering data into federal archives would be fraud and a felony. Everything else they are doing is cover covered under the Smith-Munt Modernization Act of 2012. It's considered propaganda. So I might That's point what crisis out what communication this, is. It's a level of propaganda. Yes, and he's saying, and this would explain why the science isn't there. I keep complaining that the science isn't there. And the Smith-Munt Modernization Act of 2012, you might recall, is... The last thing that Michael Hastings was working on, I don't know if Michael Hastings was killed or not. I really don't know. But the story, like he's like the poster child for a journalist who got killed for flying too close to the sun. And he was covering that there was a, the Smith-Munn thing was saying that propaganda can now be directed. I don't know if it was like had to be inadvertent still or what, but it can be directed at U.S. populations. You know, that would make sense with a pandemic, the way that they talk about the need to guide the public's reaction, to cause a reaction before the pandemic and guide the way that they react to it and the way that they handle it. That that would be an argument for here's why propaganda needs to be legalized towards uh, domestically. It's it's actually what I think they do. Like most of these people, they get into the system, they get into academia, the science community or um whatever whatever industry, whatever area, whatever sector, you know, I always call it academia, politics, and the media, that just shapes opinion. It doesn't actually do anything else. It doesn't have to reflect reality in any way. I think people get into that because they think a lot of themselves or whatever, and they want to maybe influencers or I don't know what the hell, but they get in there, and in order to survive there, you have to embrace it. And I think most people don't embrace that they're evil. They're not getting paid enough to be evil. I don't think they're evil. I think they're doing what my sister coined as the ethical glass ceiling, where they're just telling themselves, well, this is where this is. I'm allowed to start lying now because it's for the good. And they ask themselves the question, like, is this really good? Yes, it's good because people are too stupid to know and you have to do it this way. And we all know how people are influenced. We all know how psychology works. They don't go beyond that and say people have free will or you can't control the outcome for someone in a democracy. They won't keep asking those questions. I think that they have to believe that what they're doing is good and that's why. This research on crisis communication absolutely falls in line with what you just said there. One part of it, the guy talks about the need to give the public something to do in order to suppress their fear because action helps them forget about their fear. And he talks about suggesting actions that are harmful or useless 
it might could backfire badly, but that's just what you got to do sometimes. And he gives an example of it probably wasn't a mistake to let people give blood in the days after September 11, 2001, only to learn that later their blood wasn't needed and had been thrown out. So the call for the action was to keep the public from panicking and to give the, and this is the same thing that they do with these activists yes. and protesters. It's a way of controlling people. Yes. What was I reading recently that said that, oh my gosh, this Ted Kaczynski book, which I'm just so fascinated at how I knew I was being sold yeah. that book. Yeah. I knew it. And and it really folds in. And I'm certain now I understand it because his message should, I don't approve of it. Uh, I don't, you know, he killed people. I don't approve of that. And I don't also approve of his recommendation that we follow this path of extreme revolution. But regardless, no, we're definitely not at the point where we're going to do it. He says to like completely tear down civilization completely. We're definitely not doing that. But if you buy into uh, like what he's saying about it, it can just make you angry and disruptive. You can kind of, raise your hand that you're that you need to be <laughs> put into a cell I don't know but he even says he's so, he's a genius see so he say he says stuff like you have to give people something to do there is and he tells yeah. you the personality types they do recruit. that they do that here too yeah it's a pretty fascinating book it's called technological slavery and uh he doesn't get any money from it and I I don't think we're going to have a revolution. I'm not buying it, but it, it's very interesting. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this unfolds in the coming weeks because they've been talking about things being closed till the end of March. And now we have the 30-day ban on travel to Europe. It'll be interesting to see if it goes further than that. Or I think L.A. or California, I think they closed San Francisco. I don't know. I think there's going to be more uh, announcements coming out there. It might be a month or two. Which makes no sense because it's the end of the flu season, isn't it? Oh, I guess it's March. It's not maybe out there, but like I just think I think it's gonna it's gonna go away. See, this is this is what the whole event to a one thing was, I think. It goes in lops, lockstep with the natural cold and flu season. So like I think it'll switch to the southern hemisphere when it's their cold and flu season. It'll be worse there because they're poorer and it's kind of more sweltery and Whatever, they probably have a worse cold and flu season normally anyway. So I just, I think it's going to be more than a couple of weeks is all I'm telling you. I think you're right. I think, I hope that what they're preparing us for isn't something that's dramatic and horrible. And I hope it's not. I hope it's a false flag. I I do too. Yeah. I hope that maybe it's the next season. These actions they took yesterday, definitely going to, as I mentioned, psychologically affect the way people act towards each other and just in general with themselves. I was at the doctor yesterday. I had to take my mom to one of her appointments. And I have never, I'm OCD, and I've never been so aware of what people's hands were doing in my life. And I assumed that other people were probably aware of what mine were doing. (laughs) People were watching each other like a hawk. The doctor even came in and kind of like hesitantly shook the hand. And I was kind of like, why are we doing this? Why are we, why are we doing this? Stop. Let's stop. Let's go wash our hands. I, I'm already, fe- I'm, I'm you sound like Trump. decomposing right now. Yeah. So the public alertness and awareness of pandemics and viruses has definitely risen. And I was on this elevator and somebody stepped into the elevator who looked very sick 
very frail and very worried and was with somebody else. And I was on the other side of this elevator holding my breath at this point. But Ali went up one floor, but I heard him whisper to the woman he was with, there was like 30 people in there, talking about the little lobby he just walked through. And I got off the elevator right there. I didn't touch anything. I think that that guy thinks that he has coronavirus and was there to be tested. Mm -hmm. I could be wrong, but that is what I gathered from the way that the bizarre way that he was acting. And there's going to be people who think that even when it's not true. It's just going to cause a lot of It's chaos. really going, just the psychology of it is definitely impacting healthcare. Yeah. So if you want to go to the uh, healthcare facility, you might be hesitant in case there's someone there with coronavirus or in case there's somebody there and they quarantine you just for having been there. Right. And then you have people who probably should get help, like who need antibiotics, not getting it. And that's the question or, of, yeah, yeah I mean, do you real, tell the truth? Real problems. And they know darn well. They act like they don't know that they're incompetent. They know. In the, in the 60s, the report from Iron Mountain said, we now can tell with a computer program what a small change in draft legislation will do to the real estate in lower Manhattan. So... I mean, if they were talking, they have forecasts, is what you're saying. Hmm? They have, they have forecast of how this. Well, they can they can very accurately predict. Yes, the vectors of their decisions. They know what it does. They yeah. more than they ever would let us know. Absolutely. And so that is why I don't believe in unintended consequences. I think the consequences are foreseeable and therefore must be considered intended. I can't remember who it was that had that term for. The unintended intended consequences. It might have been Saul Alinsky, but they, there's definitely a term for that. Oh, for intentionally really? trying to cause the unintentional or unintended Oof. consequences. Well, I think it was Saul I Alinsky. I need that I'll, for the glossary. Yeah, I'll have to go back and look for I that. I see one. that yeah. all day long. Stay safe, keep your hands clean, and you guys can find <laughs> your drive time news blast every weekday afternoon at 4 p.m. on thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. We will talk to y'all tomorrow.